cliffcentral.com. Catalytic.co.za. And that is Yaku's show, which is also going on a little break, but um, he will be back in the new year. And also exciting news. I'm thrilled to say that uh, Superbets are going to be back with cliffcentral.com, which is excellent because we love working with them. Means more sport with Ben for you on Fridays. And more terrible recaps with, uh, with Bakabantu and Ryan. Everyone else is there. And the <laughs> but, but the most important thing you get out of it is Fridays with Ben, which yes. is very good news. And, of course, if you haven't signed up because they're supporting us for another year, then you must support them, please. Yeah, I know it's not uh, Fridays or Mondays now, but go along and sign up with Superbets today. They've got great deals. And then you can, who knows, you could win a couple of really good bets and make some money over the holidays. Come back richer than the rest of us in January. That would be nice. Okay. Uh, we were talking about Ryan falling just now, which if Simpiwe was here, she'd be laughing out loud about because Simpiwe loves nothing more than when people fall. And so far, Jane has fallen a couple of times and Ryan has fallen once. Yes. But the rest of us luckily have not. Um, it's, it's interesting. He brought up a movie. Leo DiCaprio movie? No, no, no. Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake. in time. In time, right. Where he moves a little bit too fast. And the woman picks up, you're not from here, you move too, too fast. fast. What made me uh, interested in that comment and what made me think of people who move fast or people who move slow is that I don't think, because Ryan was saying, well, rich people, people who have a lot of time, they move slower. Yeah. Not true. I don't think that's true. Not always. I know lots of very, very go-getter, driver, fast-thinking, fast-moving get shit done people yeah. who are tremendously successful. They're not in a hurry because they are running on someone else's time. They're in a hurry because they're trying to move everyone else along. Yeah, it's like this thing I once learned that uh, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person because you know they'll get to it instead of someone who has something on their plate who procrastinate, have their morning cup. Like, uh. So apparently, again, because he's the, the guy everyone refers to these days, apparently when Elon Musk has a, a job for one of his staff to do and he says – have you done this like you know, a few hours later and they haven't done it yet? He says, fine, I'll do it. And then he does it. And then he gets rid of them like a week later. That's how stuff should work. And, and, and that's moving fast, yeah. right? Because if someone's going to take forever to do something, you're eventually just going to lose patience with them. Yeah. I, I have, have nothing good to say about people in shops or now at Christmas time, even on the roads, you could see people are driving slowly, they're not really sure where they're going. Maybe they, uh, you know, if I get to the office five minutes late, it's not going to matter. Mm. If, I, if I get to the shops 10 minutes late, it's not going to matter. If I take longer, they push their trolley along at 0. 0.005 kilometers an hour. I, I don't get it. Um, yesterday, I had to go and just get some groceries. People are, even the staff in the shops are like, taking their time. Everything's slow. They, they move one... <gasps> little thing at a time. They put this here. They go and sit down. They have a little break. They talk to each other. Nobody's in a hurry at this point. And I know that it is a December thing, which is fine. I'm not going to be a a pain in the ass at this time of year. You could do as slow as would you want no, to I will be a pin in the ass on your behalf, Gareth. I want people I want stuff to work fast. I want stuff to work well. And that's all I want. I want to go into the shop. I, I don't want you to take your time looking for the plastic. Just give it to me. Mm. Yeah. Um that's there's there's just you were talking about wrapping earlier. Just <laughs> thinking about all the unnecessary rubbish we generate at this time of yeah, year yeah, too. We do. The packaging around food, yeah. the wrapping around presents, 
all of that stuff. And it's just, it fills those, those black rubbish bags and then God knows where it goes, right? Yeah. Like- all right. So here's an interesting thing to look at. Uh, Business Leadership South Africa's CEO, Busisiwe Mavuso, who was only actually appointed this year, I think, mm-hmm. highlighted both progress and setbacks in South Africa. So what do you think fits into the progress category in South Africa? Before we get to Democracy 101. Well, in South Africa, well, when I did economics and macroeconomics, we were told that we're in a stagnant economy. So I'm very mm. curious what fits mm. in progress in South Africa. Well, guess what? She didn't really go into progress. <laughs> she goes into <laughs> problems. So yes. delays in renewable energy programs, logistical crises at ports, um, the national health insurance, and damage to the health sector, and basically... Guess what gets the only positive in her report? What? Is private business filling in the gaps. Yes. Like they have with the ports and a whole bunch of other things. We have such a resilient, stop at nothing private sector, right? Yeah. And thanks to them, the viable health system that we have, the she's commended the new ESCOM CEO's appointment. <laughs> don't know about whether that's let's wait and see how they do first, yeah, before we come we? in we yeah, probably give out handshakes unbelievable so i i'm not uh not surprised but there we go speaking business leadership delays, south africa i don't know if you saw the speaking about delays right uh so like our public system and transport system back up up and running at prasa just launched uh, the socialism mail train right mm. 35 hours to go to cape town on the train that seems like a long ass time. That's a day and some. Yeah. No, that seems like a waste. Eighteen of time. hours to go to Durban. Yeah, I I don't like that. Yeah. That eighteen hours is at least ten hours more than even a <laughs> slow, 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 slow driver who even stops if, everywhere along the way for everything. It's eight hours more than a bus. No, it's ridiculous. Sure. All right. So you've met him before because he's been on the burning platform. But I want to introduce to you uh, Bafana Modise, who's been on with us a couple of times. Bafana is actually going to be doing some new shows with us in the new year. And we've got lots of exciting things to talk to him about. So first of all, welcome, Bafana. Nice to see you. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Gareth. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, it was very, very good. So let's just quickly talk about uh, Democracy 101, which is the show we're doing now. It's powered by... The podcast party. And many people be asking, what the hell is the podcast party? Is it a party? <laughs> like as in drinks and music and fun and people having a good time of the festive season? Mm-hmm. Or is it a political party? Like we're actually registering uh, as, a, as a political party in the election. Well, this With is- the express reason to party. <laughs> correct. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I mean, it's meant to be a little bit tongue in cheek. But next year, of course, we celebrate 30 years of democracy, True. which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a general election. So we did some research and we did an online survey. We did four focus groups here in studio. Mm-hmm. We recorded these as podcasts and as YouTube videos. And we've decided to call it VVIP, Voter Voices in Politics. Yeah. And you can find them on cliffcentral.com or on YouTube if you haven't watched them already. It's interesting because it will give you insights into what young people are thinking True. about next year. Everybody goes... Ah, yeah, it's such a problem. Young people are not registered to vote. Why are young people so disenchanted with the we'll political process? We'll just when you get to the polls, you don't even know. But I think that's, that's the essence of this, to go out to young people, 
to get their ideas. Why am I? Why, why are you not voting? Or mm. if you are voting, what inspires you? But we have seen for a couple of more years that there's been a decline in voter participation and going into the streets to the people, not just speaking to politicians or influencers, but to the real guy selling on the streets, the taxi driver, the guy on in at the mall, let's check out the mm. shop, right? To say, why are you not active? And what would you do different if you are given the opportunity to be maybe a president or to be a, ma a mayor or whatever. <laughs> so we want to make it more nation orientated, nation building orientated right. towards patriotism, towards let's get these young people activated. Let's make South Africa great again. I didn't want to like, say it like that. All right. It's not so, like Trump there for one. <laughs> so I, I'll get into some of the interesting results from mm. our, our, I think these were fascinating focus groups because- sure. Again, if we just listen, then we'll hear what young people actually are saying rather than trying to work it out without even asking them. They'll tell you if you ask them. Yes. And this is part of what we're doing with VVIP. So, all right, so there's the podcast party. And in that umbrella, we're going to have shows like this one, Democracy 101. Mm -hmm. We're going to be doing VVIP with you and yes. with a whole lot of other guys, uh, young people in South Africa who are, who are putting this stuff together. Mm -hmm. But- What's interesting about what you're going to be doing is you'll be going around the country with Mbalin Tulin, what she's mm -hmm. already doing, yes. with these young guys who we did the focus groups with. Mm -hmm. So let's look at some of the results, and I want to hear your comments on these, Bafana. Approximately a third of the people we asked are planning to vote next year, only one third. Mm -hmm. A third are undecided, and a third are not voting, which is much lower than that online survey. I would, I would say I beg to differ with the fact that most people now, they want to go vote more than ever. Um, the the current issues in the country, people are starting to say, "I need to make a difference. I need to I need to be part of the system uh, somehow." If you can look at how many political parties are mushrooming out of anywhere, mm. if you can look at how the uh, churches even themselves are trying to unite and have some political voice, there is that appetite for politics. Uh, in terms of who to vote or who to vote for, that would be the problem. But then I feel like maybe the survey might be wrong on the idea that people are not as appetized to vote. It's just an issue of how how do you, how do you teach someone of their responsibility as a citizen? And it's not just voting. There's a whole lot more that goes yes. into it too. So we can we can look at some of these things later. But I want to bring in um, Bali at this point because she's a well-known name in South Africa. She's mm. the founder and CEO of something called the Groundwork Collective, mm. which is a community development initiative that focuses, among other things, on food security, access to water. But here today, we're going to talk civic education and a little bit of social entrepreneurship. She's, of course, a former politician. She was 15 years as a counselor. And I mean, she's so young. I can't believe you were a counselor for 15 years. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was. 15 years as a politician. Oh, my Ten God. Ten of those years at MPL. Still 15 years as a politician. And look, you've survived and you don't have wrinkles and you look fresh. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. So let's just talk about uh, about what you've done before because people are going to go, oh, I know that name. Uh, 15 years as a counselor and MPL, serving the province of KwaZulu-Natal, political leader, public speaker, activist. You're also the youngest person to contest for the leadership of South Africa's official opposition party in 2020. And now you're doing this groundwork collective stuff, which among other things is encouraging young people to vote. That's the whole topic of discussion this morning. How's that going, Bali? It's going incredibly well. Um, so we actually don't just encourage people to vote. 
um, because that doesn't complete the loop. We know that young people in particular are not voting and that's a behavior. So if you want to change a behavior, you have to do numerous things to be able to change it. So we go out, we register young people, we then also give them civic education because we've actually found that that is the link of what's missing with South Africans being able to fully utilize their democracy is that they just believe that every five years you go out and you vote and things are going to magically happen when actually mm. you have such a participatory democracy and if you want it to work, it's what you do in between. Yes. But nobody knows what they're supposed to do in between. So we make sure that we fill that gap and to tell people how their government work, how electoral processes work, what are these uh, ward committees? What are these things that you should be knowing about as a citizen mm. to be a fully active citizen? Um, and then we also get these young people to protect the election. So next year, we'll also be getting them to become observers on the day of elections because we think that that's also a really cool way to get people to see and physically take part in, in their democracy. So it's been going great. We've done some wonderful pilots. We are at every kind of place where young people are. We congregate at universities, uh, you know, institutions of higher learning, taxi ranks, wherever there are young people, we go out and we meet them there. And then, of course, we've also just launched a digital portal, which has the back-end API with the ISC, so people can go and physically register on our site. And, of course, then they get to win really cool prizes at the moment, it's KFC vouchers, but there's all kinds of cool stuff that we allow them to win. And, again, it's just one of the ways that we try to incentivize young people to get excited about their democracy. All right, so let's just focus on this idea that, that registration is a part of it. And the nice thing that you do is you also just allow them to scan a QR code and it takes you straight through to the website where you make sure that you're registered and you can do it in a flash. I mean, it's really very easy to do. Um, the, 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 the events that you're doing sound like a great excuse for people to also just get together and start talking about this stuff. Uh, have you had any resistance at all? Is there anyone who doesn't like the idea that you're coming into communities, that you're setting yourself up, that you're getting people? To, is there anybody who's against this in South Africa? Because we hear that oh, young people aren't interested in registering and we hear that the political parties all want them to. We hear that everybody's behind this. But are there, are there South Africans who don't want registrations? So I think in general, of course, most people are behind registration. Um, I think that, you know, it's a fallacy to say that young people don't care about their democracy. They absolutely care, but they are put off by politicians, that's mm. for sure. Um, and studies show that they don't like the behavior of politicians and then they feel that they are ineffective. But for us, we haven't um, received any resistance from communities. In fact, a number of times, uh, some political entities have tried to hijack our events. Uh -huh. um, but we do always have security there, so that's great. And I don't mean hijack in a dramatic sense. I think they just you know, want to be a part of what's happening. Um, but I mean, of course, political parties themselves aren't in the business of registering people that aren't going to vote for them. So they right. have the approach of only registering people that they are sure to turn out for them. So we are nonpartisan. We register people indiscriminately across the board. Mm -hmm. um, and that does make some political parties a little bit nervous because then what it means, which is kind of the point of why we're doing it, is that there's going to be all these people that are registered yes. that they don't have any control over which means that they're actually going to have to engage these people and see what they want or risk having them vote for other people. And that's exactly the point. We want to make it a numbers game so South Africans can realize that there are more of us than there are of politicians and we should be calling the shots. And so the only way to, well, one of the first ways to do that is to be on that voters' role so that political parties get nervous. Let me ask you and Bafana and Bakabantu here quickly because we, we researched with 
some of the young people that we had in studio. We recorded podcasts with them and, and basically did these focus groups just to ask young people what their interest or disinterest in politics is and where it comes from. So a lot of them say that they believe government has lost to corruption. Uh, one in four people say that they are willing to re-elect them because they don't have faith in the other parties. In other words, that the opposition may even be worse than the ANC. And all participants feel as if the youth are neglected. Now, that last one isn't surprising to me because everybody always feels they're neglected by government because, frankly, we are. But do you have any comments on that first part that a quarter of people are willing to re-elect the ANC because they don't like opposition parties? Bali, you can go first. Sure. Yes. And, I mean, that's not the, the only study that's shown that. Um, in fact, the centre, I mean, Afrobarometer put out a survey earlier this year and it also said that the distrust in opposition parties was so high amongst not just young people, amongst general citizens, that opposition parties are at the very bottom in terms of institutions that people mm. trust, which then gives them the option of either voting for what we already have or staying at home. And this is why we have this problem. Um, and then the other the, the other stats also, I think, um, check out of the work that we've done. And then interestingly, uh, and this is where people, I think, are not focusing, is that 76% of respondents in um, the Afrobarometer study also said that they would be willing to give up elections and democracy if there was a leader or a party um, that could promise them jobs and security. And that is incredibly worrying for a country that has such a young democracy. But it also shows you just how precious and on the precipice we are if we don't kind of... Um, get busy with trying to to rectify the situation we find ourselves. I, I wouldn't mind just um, for a moment hovering over that uh, Afrobarometer study because that's really, really interesting stuff. In fact, you you were the one who showed it to me, Mbali. And I want to put it on screen so people can see who. Who do you think South Africans trust the most and who do you think we trust the least? I mean, this is fascinating <laughs> stuff because you would you would imagine that uh, you know certain groups would come out looking good, mm. other groups would come out looking bad, but it's not who you think it is. So I'm going to put it up on screen and then I want um, Bali to just quickly take us through some of it because I found these results fascinating and it's not it's not as cut and dried as we think it is. You mentioned the opposition parties how actually a lot of people find them quite uh, untrustworthy. Also, media organizations come in for quite a lot of crit. Uh, you know, not everybody thinks that they are particularly good at, at, at delivering the truth or saying what's really happening, right? So you want to just, uh, let's look at the people who are the worst first. Okay, I'm going to put this up on screen quickly. Um, and, and then you can comment on this. And feel free to jump in, Bafana. Mm -hmm. And feel free to jump in, Bakavantu, wherever you like as well here. So here it is. This is the Afrobarometer research that um, Bali was talking about. Who do South Africans trust, especially when it comes to talking about politics and elections? So at the bottom are opposition parties, right at the bottom. Then <laughs> next up are local councils, police, provincial premier. Ooh. Ruling party is 27%. And that compares opposition party 24%. So not that much daylight between the two of them, actually. Parliament only at 28%. And then you get, in the middle, traditional leaders, the Electoral Commission, and the president. The president, 38% of people believe the president is trustworthy. Then you've got South African Revenue Services, SARS, then the public protector, religious leaders, courts of law, and the army, doing very well at 49%, the Department of Health at 56%, government broadcasters, 61%, and then at the top, independent broadcasters, 63%. What do we make of that? Sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting. And I think, you know, for me, what it says is one, uh, certainly when it comes to the top two, um, we have a lot of work to do uh, with the information that we're giving out to people. But people trust people that seem authentic and not beholden to anyone. Mm. Um, so that's great to see that we still have at least that muscle memory of not just believing anything that we told. I'm always surprised that the army is so high, considering yeah. um, that they're not a, they don't they don't directly affect the average citizen's life on a daily basis. But yeah, maybe not very that's visible. Yeah, and, not and, visible. And when they are, they're usually there in, in support in the background, you know. So, and, and I don't know how much of an army we still have, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but, like, the concept of an army is great, right? You uh, think you're mm. protected from external threats. We don't have external threats. We don't have wars. So, I guess the army is doing a good job. Like, just if you don't think about it. The idea of an army. Uh, yeah, the you idea feel more of, protected. You feel, more you protected. feel like, nah, yeah, we have leadership. <laughs> yeah, we, we are so, led. Bafana, what do you think of the fact that opposition parties have such low levels of trust? I, I think the, the best time in our history of op opposition parties was when uh, the times of the DA under Musi Maiman and the likes of Mbali's, and there was those rao rao in parliament against Zuma. But I guess, with the recent. A leader, president. I haven't seen much opposition. Um, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like the EFF it just makes noise and keeps quiet in this after a long time. And people don't trust the EFF as that voice uh, for 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 the general public, but for the for the few in society. But in terms of other political parties, yes, they are there. They speak in parliament, but they haven't, they haven't seen much action, much political um, headlines talking about we are we want that we want that so you would say that uh, Cyril somehow has managed to kind of neutralize all opposition against him and he's having a free flow looking at what is happening in the country right now with load sharing with the mm. currency issue and all of these things you would expect that there will be a march on the streets of safe essay or whatever they did a couple of years ago mm. but you don't see that so I feel like the opposition <laughs> why are you laughing <laughs> Bali <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't feel that. I think the opposition was only alive under Zuma. Then that was the time it was um, hot. Bagabantu. Uh, so I have an opinion on this, right? So back to the way we this was originally sparked, right? Sure. The rather the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? This is why people feel like they should vote for the ANC instead of oh, just not vote at all. Mm. But it is that's not how it works. You don't have to choose one devil. This is how our like this is why civics matters. We can choose a coalition. We can choose mm. multiple people that represents different interests that can speak together to a common goal. True. Not one person, but we have become beaten with this bat that like only one party can rule. I think also is that thing of South Africans, most of them, most I will speak for most uh, our our people, black people, they have this loyalty to the ANC, mm. right? And they feel like if it's not the ANC, then who would it be? Then this is the second right? part because of that would be the fear of change. Because I think there's this fear of change to say we might be jumping to this one to the worse one. But also what I've seen throughout the years is how most political parties have managed to grow, like your action essay. They are growing. There, there, there is appetite now for alternative. It's just that we haven't really figured out which is the alternative. Yes. So this is where my second point now comes in, Putbafan, mm -hmm. is that. 
there is no alternative in South Africa. It, 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 you speak to loyalty that we have for the ANC. I would say it's Stockholm Syndrome. We have become so trapped by our captors that we have... Like we will do whatever they want us to do at this point because it can't get any better than this. They freed us from the horrendous, like what, apartheid regime. But that's not an entire thing. And I disagree with your sentiment that like that, that uh, parties are growing. Parties are not growing. They're converting ANC votes. So there is an appetite of alternatives, but these parties are not growing. They're just converting voters that are already in the voters' role. So what Mbali is doing of mm, making mm, new mm, voters mm. and teaching people why they should participate in their system, that's key. Then moving to uh, Cyril being really great, right? No, <laughs> this is a... No, no, no. Just because, awesome. just because your team is winning, right? This is... This goes goes back to South Africa in general. Like yeah. when you watch the derby, they were all filled there, like at FNB Stadium. No, just because this team is winning one nil, Pirates are not a great team, guys. It <laughs> just beats Kaiser Chiefs all the time. Doesn't make it a great team. Oh, just means Kaiser Chiefs okay, suck. But not all the time. Uh, order, order, not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, can, I, can I just say two quick things? Um, yes. Just about this. So on the one hand, South Africans are probably one of the toughest groupings of people to engage politically. And let's just take away, um, you know, the political parties. But because we are a nation of people that we don't like what we currently have, but at the same time, anytime somebody puts up their hand to say, okay, I think I'm prepared to lead, I'd like a chance, we are very quick to say, well, who are you? Who do you think you are? Why do you think you should be able to lead? We have too many parties. We shouldn't be having more parties. And we, we get stuck in this constant conversation of inertia around who's trying to be a politician as opposed to thinking about how we are making sure that politicians, whoever they might be, think about us. So we have to reframe the way that we think, I think, as South Africans about our role and about politicians and political parties because we're going to keep getting stuck, to your point, um, in this inertia of, well, then what can we do? What can we say? We just kind of have to accept load shedding. Um, but we're also just such a notorious bunch that doesn't, uh, we, we only want things at a very specific time, at a very specific way, with a very specific leader. And I think it's because of the exceptionalism um, of having Nelson Mandela and the liberation movement and how it all started, that we stuck very much on thinking that we're going to recreate that instead of understanding that, one, we have to work for it, and two, anyone that's going to come out is never going to have all of those perfect traits. Yeah, we exactly. have to also train them into it. Um, but we're very quick to just want something that's already tailor-made and ready. Mm. And this is, of course, why everyone also thinks that, you know, they can buy the electorate and, and quickly get in and, and take a shot. And they probably can because we're also very easily to move nations sometimes by giving people chances. So you only need 45,000 seats to get into parliament. Yeah. Once you're there, you can earn the same amount of money as an opposition leader. You'll get your, you'll get your salary on top of that and you'll get political party funding from the IEC. So being a politician... It's quite lucrative in this country if you can get it, and you can. And what irritates me is that the average South African doesn't know that they could probably just do it better than political parties. So one of the other things I'd love to do, and I think we must do, start localizing elections and teaching people how to campaign where they are. Mm. There's no reason why either of you can't be somebody who stands. I mean, councils are part-time, the majority of them, part-time in your council, mm. and, and actually things to work but if we're not if we're going to be expecting that other people are going to do it we're always going to get the bottom of the barrel of the people that we see representing us right no, and I, th I think i like that about it to say you've taken a journey to educate people it's sad when people vote based on mandela back in history and are ignoring what is happening today there are still people who are voting because they were given rdp 
some are even screaming the 350s to say I'm getting yeah. 350 from the ANC so I'm going to vote ANC but they don't understand their responsibility they don't understand the power that they hold mm. and also for the past five years we have seen what is happening we can't be let you be uh, you got to use the same tactic over and over again uh, somebody said it must be insanity that yeah. you keep on doing the same thing over and over again expecting well, a different uh, outcome yeah I, I want to ask you all something else is that when we did this this focus group um the majority of the people believe that the old people are the only reason that the ANC is still in power um and this has come up a couple of times it's like what do we do about the older people who are just voting on loyalty and i mean is that is that their prerogative and they're entitled to do it or do we have to sit with our elders and discuss with them hey listen this country is not doing very well at the moment and as a young person who who wants to make the most of our lives there isn't a lot of opportunity for us here and and you have to help me get there or is that just a lost cause i mean i think it is the old people gareth but also again <laughs> <laughs> but also again i can tell you that it is the rebranding of the anc every five years right so for example cyril most people still believe that cyril or believe that cyril was the mandela we had oh been waiting God. for right are you joking you're yeah, ramaphoria as they call it to my men to my men and all of that people they, they fell for that the, people fell for that the branding was so good you're still that paying for even, cyril, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, to, and and some people actually believe that this guy would save south africa is is better than Zuma is going to make his is a businessman he knows and understands the economy I remember he spoke about 6 million jobs the god he didn't understand jobs 6 million jobs <laughs> The guy went to say one million houses in Alex. People were like, "Whoa, this is the guy for us." He did turn on a <laughs> he turned on a tap the other day in uh, KwaZulu Natal, right? I think he did that. Yeah, and, yes, to- <laughs> and my former constituency for a water scheme that should have been there like six years prior to that. Yeah, the, the same way he filled up a pothole on the gravel road, but he's our president. But what I'm saying is that. <laughs> People still have this idea that the the ANC could be better because they, oh they 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 are so scared of being led by white folks. And also remember, there's a narrative now that whoever doesn't sound revolutionary or like they're from the jungle in the Mkonto, it's either they are bought by whites, they are puppets, white they are white, white, white monopoly capital. I, I would, that narrative. I, would okay. I think that South Africans have been ready to take our country forward more than politicians have allowed. True. The reason in 2016 that we saw coalition parties coming was because people strategically were voting in different political parties in different places. And that's why you ended up having, I think, over 81 municipalities in the hands of other political parties. And in KZN, certainly, there's been a lot of power sharing and power changing. Mm. What they don't have is the mechanisms about what they do after that. And that's mm. where we get stuck. Because if somebody's a crappy ward counselor, what do you do? Mm. Because yeah. unless you can wait for their political party to recall them or for them to die, a citizen feels as though they're stuck with that person or stuck with that particular political party. And they don't know that there are things that they can do even before we get to that um, situation. So we, we, have, we to have to wait, wait for them to die. Until it's to the house. In my, in, my, in my particular area, we have a by-election on tomorrow. Um, and we're voting again because the previous councillor killed the previous councillor to get... Oh, my God. Um, oh, you're in Natal. You're in Natal, And now we actually don't even feel the difference of whether we have one or not because we just do things on our own. We take back our rights from municipalities 
and we employ our own people to do all these kinds of things. And yes, it creates a parallel state, but things work. Mm-hmm. And it's part of our, our legislation, it's part of our Property Act from 2004 and part of the Municipal mm-hmm. Revenue Act as well as part of the bylaws. And these are the things that people don't know that they can do mm-hmm. uh, without having to, to wait for a political party. But Gareth, just to your point about what you were saying, it is old people, sure, but also the second biggest group that isn't voting is 42 to 59. So even old people are done. There was a by-election in Butterworth where 13 people showed up. 13? And this could be 13. 13. And another one, sure. um, I think it's just about a year and a half ago, where 26 people showed up for Ward 26 in Etimini. So there's cutfulness across the board, across uh, age groups. And what we need old people older people to do is actually to have these conversations with younger people because we assume that these conversations are happening in their home they are not since 1994 that conversation has gone down I, I i think people assume that they know what their grandparents vote for and that their grandparents know what they vote for i would uh, i would push back and say that we're not okay. even having enough of these conversations well in some ways this is encouraging i mean if 13 people pitched up in butterworth for a by-election and that's where i'm from that oh. means well, you should be embarrassed that you weren't there. I mean, this also means, Bali, that you can have an outsized impact by pitching up, by making your voice heard. Uh, that should be encouraging for people. Uh, you know, in the, in the land where everybody else stays at home and keeps quiet, you can be the one who goes out and makes it happen. Mm. The, okay. I, what I feel good with, right, is that once you have elected someone, People just, they voted, there's a new party. That's when they, they stop. That's when they stop. And the councillor can absolutely do nothing. When you go to the villages, into the rural areas, there's a councillor that probably doesn't even live in the village anymore. He has hired a house in town. He comes to the village once in a while to check them out, goes to council. In a G-Wagon. In a, my brother. The man will be flexing <laughs> on his own people. So... You, you still have that problem whereby people are not necessarily patriotic or they're not necessarily well-educated on how do we get rid of okay. politicians right, who are so, not doing so, their so job. Bafana, let's say people, let's say we have, Bali is hugely successful. Yes. And people are just absolutely thrilled to be a part of what the Groundwork Collective are doing. And let's say she has success in helping them start up their own businesses, food security, because mm. I know you're helping people do that too, Mbali. But let's say all of that's a runaway success. And let's say that the, the VVIP that you're launching now with us, this Voters' Voices in Politics, also hugely successful. We get young people there in their droves mm. and they vote and we have an unbelievably complex coalition government, but they're all holding each other to account and it's, it's exciting. Mm. It's a whole new, new era in South Africa. Mm. What do they have to do after the election? What happens then? Because you're saying there's more to be done, but what more? What do people need to do? Do they need to stand in their local ward mm-hmm. and make themselves available for election? Do they need to join a political party as a member and be put on a party list? Or do they just have to do things around the community, which many people are already doing? I think the first thing is if you are active in your ward, yes. then you'll be able to hold your leader accountable. But if you're not active in your ward, if you're not do, uh, part of What does of that mean, going to outside their house when the water and electricity is off? For with, example. With a shambok. I mean, what, <laughs> what do you want it us starts, to do? It starts there, but Gareth. It starts there, Gareth. With you a being shambok. Of, no, you, yeah. <laughs> with a CPF and getting rid of nyopes. And tomorrow morning, it's some guy stealing from somebody's house and you are there. And next thing, you are dealing with the, with the gardening in the community. You are picking up trash. You are active in the community. And the councillor himself becomes... Um, 
It needs to be to play a role there. Mm-hmm. But I think once you are active to say why there is no water here, but there was a budget that was taken yes. out, things like that, people start to wake up to the reality. But again, if you can ask anyone, what is the budget their housing for Gauteng or for Johannesburg? What is the budget for water? Mm-hmm. Who is getting what tender to where? No, people don't even know about these things. So as the more we get people to be Active to participate in their communities, okay, uh, then they will hold their leaders accountable. Then they will the keep I mean, them ask running. Ask the same question then, because Bali, I know, has got it prepared. She's thought these things through. She's got an answer as well. <laughs> what, what, we don't, you don't want us to pitch up at the ward councillor's house with a shambok. You've got a better plan. Uh, you, you come there with a patrol. <laughs> <laughs> And, and let me work backwards so people can understand why it is that they need to play the role that it is. If we're complaining about ISCOM and load shedding, it is incredibly overwhelming to say that you, one person in your particular neighborhood, is going to change some macroeconomic policy that's been taken at a national level about what happens with energy mm. regeneration or mm. whatever. You don't want to overwhelm people by saying, you know, we're trying to do this so we can solve big problems. People won't believe you because they know that they don't have that kind of power. And secondly, it's just, it's too, it's too theoretical for them in their minds how they would think about that. So you need to make it very, very close to where they are so they have a sense that they can actually do something there. And you say to them, the first thing you should do is you should go and actually sit on your ward committee. Mm-hmm. Know what's actually happening right outside your road. So you can stand for election or you can go for the meetings. You should know when your council meetings are. And if you don't know, you can demand that your councillor actually lets you know or you can look mm. at the municipal website so that you know what's actually happening. And any South African can go to any meeting of any um, of any legislature or legislative sitting in this country as long as they bring their ID. That goes for council, parliament, and, and uh, legislative systems. That is your right as a South African to know what's happening in a house that is for all of us. Mm. You should also be getting involved in things like understanding the IDP process. You can't complain about the fact that there's a burst water pipe outside of your house if you didn't actually say to the councillor when the process was happening, you need to allocate money because it's going to be, you know, or there's a burst pipe or there's been a burst pipe or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. That, that is. These things by law have to happen every single time and every single year that they're called and you as a citizen get to go and speak to them. That's the first kind of suite of things that mm-hmm. people should understand and they should understand that that is their right. Because then what you can have to do is say, okay, now I sit there, I sit at the CPF, I get to make decisions about what's happening in policing in my neighborhood. I can say and help the police direct their resources to places where we as a community think that they should be going. Similarly for SGBs and schools, again, something that actually calls for parents and people in the area to be able to participate in the education, policies that happen with their kids. All of these things start at a ground um, level. All of them are participatory. When people understand they can do that, they quickly then understand the mechanisms of how they must actually get themselves organized amongst themselves. And once you have that and you have people starting to to feel and see the face of, hey, we have a UIP, which is an urban improvement precinct in our area. We can get our verges cut or, I don't know, take away indigenous you know, invasive plants or whatever issues that are important in that particular neighborhood. Yeah. Then you actually start to see people believing that they can have a change. And when they believe that they can have a change, then they start demanding more from the councillor. Mm. The councillor, of course, is then going to have to put pressure on their political party in the city to make sure that the things that they are being asked for are actually done. Right. And the people in the city are going to make sure that they're telling the MPs and the MPLs that, hey, we've got a lot of pressure from these particular neighborhoods. This is one of the things that they want. We need a participation. 
And that's how you escalate the chain upwards. So you don't have to think that you have to do something at the very top. You can do things right at the very bottom. And so when we do the civics training, we give people these practicals. I mean, there's like a thousand other things that I can mention. I don't want to take up too much time, but there are many practical steps that people can take to actually sit on these things, do these things. You can go to the speaker. Right. The so so let, me, let me ask all of you quickly, because this is a point that, that Congo Chris makes. He says some of us have to go to work and do our actual jobs. It is the politicians' jobs to do this stuff. Mm. Um I know that when someone isn't doing their job, we all have to pitch in and help. Um, but the, but it, it is, he says, they must do their job. It's their job. We have every right to complain when they don't do their job. But this is gaslighting. Like, yeah, he's, speaking no, to, he's speaking to this policing thing. Why should we be a parent in the room telling them, no, no, like, don't eat that. Don't take that. You should know because we elected you for the specific role. But they don't know. But, but this, the problem is this, Begabalit. I'm Bafana in Soweto. I have never been to any government institution or learn anything about governance. I was a member of the party. Now I've been made a councillor and MMC. I have a political office and what we have also what we call the professional staff in municipalities. Mm -hmm. These guys, they don't, they don't just go there to show up with blue lights or they drive around town going to political events. Even this IDP that Mbali um, speaks about, it is there, it's a process. But you know what I hate is that it becomes just a formality. They get their people that yeah. they know in yeah, within cost, that yeah. side and say, we have passed the process. Yeah, yeah. What, what is the minimum? Because we allow it. Because we allow it. And to Chris's point, mm. Mm. this is exactly the compact that we have to decide as South Africans. Do we mm. want to think that politicians can make the decisions on our behalf or do we want to tell them how they should be spending our taxes? Because mm, our constitution mm, says mm. they have to come ask us what it is that we want. That's why we need to take these things and say to them, this is what we want to plan this is what we want to plan for. And in terms of the meetings, I mean, then you can also have a negotiation about when those are hold. And there also are regulations around when mm, those should be mm, and how many people should be able to attend and how long the notice and all of those things should be. But the average African doesn't even know that. So they can't say that they hate the way politicians behave mm. when they have a mechanism to change it and then they also don't want to use that mechanism. We have to decide what kind of citizens we want to be. And I can tell you now that the democracies that thrive the most in the world are the ones that have the most active citizens. It's not the ones that have the best economic policies or the ones that seem to be, you know, the best at getting things mm. done. Those things only happen because they have citizens that force them to be able to do those things. Right. And I, and I like that example because like just to bring it closer back to home, it's like what you said about SGBs. Schools that thrive are, are when the parents are participating in the school, when the mm, parents, mm, when you have mm, a great mm. alumni, when you have all of these people mm. who have a stake that this school should be great, therefore it will produce great results. Sure. And I do speak, and I do understand that, Mbali, but to what Bafana was saying about these processes are being abused a friend of mine always brings up a point is like he doesn't understand why he should be led or should like let's say he always makes the example of Fikile Mbalula not to go after someone but like he says he's not good at anything he's a zoologist who has his master's degree he's like why should this person tell me up and dictate policy to me when he cannot do anything else besides talk and that, that is the reality I'm about to say we uncertainly, when you go for political party office, um, you find that 
people don't care about your qualifications they care about your popularity more right it's more about how popular you are and how no. eloquent and funny you speak no, that's, poli- that's politics that's all politics. over the world but then uh, problems that you have it is a popularity to, contest but you have to be a mayor at some point you need to know what is a budget you need to know how to run your stuff you need to even know how to use microsoft office so this in thing, the best, yeah i was going to say in the best world but i think that we also can't have a conversation about what rationalities people use to to vote because you're never going to convince every single person no. about what it is they could vote for you based on your socks but we don't need to find you know and analyzing why people vote the way they do what we need to do is say when those people whoever they are buffoons or not are voted in what can we do to make sure that they work or that we fire them yes. because if you start to think that you're going to be able to change how people rationalize how they vote you'll be here forever because everyone votes on all kinds of rationalizations I mean America again, America's going to decide between a, a man who's lost his mind and a man who's uh, who's only who's only in his own mind the whole time and so we, we don't we don't know which one I mean, how can you rationalize any of that stuff? You're so right, um, Bali. We, we, we get stuck on these things and we try to solve problems that are unsolvable when there are actually things we can start solving. No, but I think at some point it, it has to be regulated, guys. I think this What? You mean qualify the, the politicians? Yeah, how to, to qualify to run for political office? I, I just don't think some that of the people in politics, anyone can just go wake up in the morning. Some of the people in politics have degrees in public administration, but they're still terrible people. I'm, but, I'm with Mbali here. You but, can't actually do anything. There. Yeah, Exactly, because I was going to speak to this. Like, also, we did try that. We did say, "Oh, can you bring some formal results?" And then Nokolo Kivit came with two masters degree where she doesn't have an undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> and and there've been politicians have all been found out for lying oh, about counted. their qualifications. <laughs> anyway, listen, it doesn't. It's not going to. That's not going to save us. It's credentialism, and it doesn't necessarily mm. mean that you get the best people yeah. in. Mm. I mean, mm. uh, it's more important to my mind that people like you guys, Bali. Mm. Bafana, you guys are all making a difference in civil society yes. where you actually have more power. You have more power to operate. You, yeah. can, you don't have to comply with the red tape and the rules of party politics and mm. internal mm. politics and uh, provincial or national government. Those people's hands, I'm not making excuses for them, believe me, but their hands are often tied and there's so much that they can't do that you can and that we can as ordinary citizens. Uh, Carl says, I'm on the SGB at my daughter's school. That's the governing body. It's run like a private school. It's very difficult to find differences between it and a private school. And you see, because you're involved, you can say that to us. And because you're involved, your daughter will be getting a better education. Mm. If you abdicate responsibility, and I know you want to jump in on this, uh, Bakabantu, but the minute you let someone else decide the important things in your life, your health, your school, your, your kids' education, um, your your own job security. The minute mm. you farm that out and get someone else to be your agent in that world, you're going to get much worse results almost every time. So I'm sorry about the people like Chris in the comments who are saying, oh, you know, this isn't my job. I know, Chris, I feel your pain. But actually, if we don't all pitch in, it's going to become your problem, whether it's your job or not. And yeah, and it does speak to what Umbali was saying about we do need to participate a lot in this country and giving people those tools to participate is the biggest step. It's not just voting. It's not just making that one decision. It's continuously making that decision. Mm. A very important question from Sanele. 
who's very, very interested in politics. <laughs> Guys, is Bafana Tim Modise's son or nephew? The resemblance is as striking visually as it is vocally. Any relation? No, no relation as no well. You should have said the name, but uh, no, I don't, I don't know the guy. The Modises obviously have... I mean, the voice, actually, now that they mentioned, yeah, yeah kind of. Mm, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. Maybe I can just claim to be Tim Modise 2.0. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> But you are right. You got an idea that uh, we need to be. Uh, if we, and I think our success, me and Mbali on the streets, it's what also will turn um, as a what as a result. We will start to see most people being vocal about the legalities around uh, what what must be done. The laws, the voter education is very important. I, I just hate the fact that. When people are about to vote, there's a truck of alcohol and some beer and some couple of celebrities coming to dance. I don't know what happened to Chomi. Chomi used to be the one who yeah. did the things. And people will just go and vote. But I feel like now we need to vote based on merits. Who needs to be there? What can he deliver? And what do? What, how can you hold him accountable? Yes. So I think as you go onto the streets, me and Mbali will be able to to get our people to be conscientized to say it's more than just that uh, food parcel. It's five years after that food parcel. Yes. This is your life. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of the fact that these political parties will do whatever it takes in the lead up to the election and then they disappear? I mean, they, they they will literally bribe someone with a T-shirt mm. to vote for them, and then they're gone. I mean, have you seen Joburg lately? Every pothole has been filled up. Every some, there's some fixing happening everywhere. There's some work being done. I see this, and that doesn't that doesn't happen in the past four years. Is that Al Jama? Al Jama, that's Commando right there. Yeah. Work, yeah. Hard yeah. work, right? So I, I see that it is a norm of the of the party towards the a year before the election. There is this big project coming up. There is roads being fixed. There is whatever being built. Uh, but then after their election, they disappear. And it's not only just the ruling party, even all other parties. Once they are in parliament, they are driving around nice cars, living in parliamentary village. Uh, they only talk about our problems as yeah. the poor of the poor in the in Soweto. But they don't even, all right. they don't come to us. They don't even understand what so, we are. So let's say that there are people listening right now, Bali, who are hugely inspired by what you guys have said that want to help you, what can they do to help Groundwork Collective and Bafana afterwards, what can they do to help you with VVIP? Where can people get involved? Lovely. Thanks. So um, obviously people can go onto our website or our social media, but the things that we really need help with is spreading the message. So like we said, we've made things very easy with our QR codes and our links to get young people registered. Stats essay says that on average, everyone knows 2.5 people that are not registered. So people can just do something as simple as start sharing that on their WhatsApp groups, share it with their nieces and nephews. If you have a small business, share it with your employees. Maybe they have kids or maybe they themselves are not registered. In fact, do a survey to see how many of your employees are, are actually registered because you want to know that people that are working for you also have the idea that they are part of actually solving the problems that we have in this country. So that's the one thing is to really spread awareness and to really put this out there everywhere so we can reach as many people. I mean, we're speaking to schools because we're also developing programs to get into um, civic education and curriculum in schools and universities. Right. Um, and we also have many corporates. But the other thing is also volunteer on election day. Come and join us, even if it's something as simple as just making sandwiches for people that are going to be sitting there 
the whole day making sure they protect their addiction. It can be something as small as that, or offering to bring water, or donating to bring mm. some water, or sanitary pads. It doesn't have to be these huge acts of service that people think that they are. There'll be many of us, 10,000 around the country doing this. Um, and I can guarantee you that for an organization like myself, trying to provide food and things to that to those kind of people is hard. So everyone lives within or close to their voting station. You can volunteer for a couple of hours. Go sit there with the IEC, watch the uh, election happening, observe and make sure that you're protecting your democracy. It will take three hours out of your day. It's nothing. I mean, I remember I stood in a queue for three hours on election day anyway. So... Yeah, oh, sure. When, yeah. where, where were you voting? No, I, there were, I was pleased to see that a lot of people pitched up in my municipality. A lot of people in my local ward went to vote. It's 94. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. The last, the last uh, local and provincial government in okay. yeah, okay. And I was quite impressed with that because obviously then I live in a neighborhood where people give a shit, oh, which is that's, cool. That's right? great. Cause... I like that. So I don't mind waiting in a queue. And as Mbali says, if you're in a municipality where people are doing less then that means you have the excuse to get involved more. Mm, Good call. Good call. Good call. And and we will give out all the details of the Groundwork Collective on the site when we put the podcast up. So you can go there and find out more by joining up with Mbali's social media and everything else. But let's turn to VVIP, Voters' Voices in Politics, and what you're doing, Bafana. Tell us how we can get involved there. So we are going to to the streets of Joburg, uh, everywhere, There's Northwest, Northern Cape. We, will, we are coming to, your, to, to the nearest city, the nearest town. And what we would love you to do is to welcome us. We are the platform. We want you to speak to us. So don't be scared of my voice. Come to the microphone. Speak your mind. Right. Uh, secondly, also, the support is needed. Uh, we are a small team. We are trying to run on the best possible budget. So if you have some money there, send that money and let's build a nation together. I think also in terms of expertise, if you know how you are good in media space, market, whatever yeah, your sure. profession might be, that could benefit this project even further. If you want to donate to that, please come through. Let's work together. But what are we? We are a voice. We we will be speaking to the people on the ground, a platform for all young people to share their thoughts about voting in our nation. And I just want to throw this in too, which which I think will be very, very valuable going forward, is that for anybody in a commercial enterprise who wants to know what young people think, that research Mm. is invaluable. Right. I mean, uh, Mbali, you're going to be discovering all kinds of things from young voters that will be massively applicable in the marketplace for brands who want to get hold of these young people, for Mm. people who want to engage with them in a meaningful way and who want to know what they truly think, we'll ask them for you and we'll put it all together and make it useful for you. So there's digital collaboration, there's strategic content creation, Mm. there's education, there's inspiration. There's a whole lot of good stuff going down here and people can find out all about that as part of the podcast party and VVIP and then obviously with Groundwork Collective too. So well done, everybody. I think this is the start. Yes. We've still got... We're, they haven't announced the election yet, so they'll probably uh, do it right May. What do you what do you suggest there, Mbali? Probably around May, June maybe? The rumors are definitely that it's probably going to be around the 22nd of May. As okay. Oh, it's not like the first... Some billionaires said the 1st of May. I don't know where they got that thing from. But, you know, you never know. No, that's a holiday. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. All right, very good. Um, Bali, keep doing the good work that you're doing. It's amazing to see uh, how many people you're reaching on a daily basis and helping to inspire these people to become the leaders that they want rather than waiting for someone to just 
magically pitch up yeah. like a genie out of a bottle. I mean, we all we all look at do you look at our politicians and we go, is that the best we can do, dude? You know, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Ah, uh, no, yeah. but. But you're but you you're laughing because you know it's true, right? <laughs> you're like, is yeah. that is that what we? Is deserve? that the best we can do? Have Jesus. you seen the parliament? Uh, is it our parliament chief? Is it clear? Hey, let me keep quiet. Eh? You can't watch it. There's no parliament. It's still bur- it's still burnt out. You know. Well, they arrested no, the sittings. I've seen the sittings. How people are falling asleep. Some are walking on slow motion. I'm like, how do you run a country like that? But anyway, let me keep quiet. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, we will be keeping you up to date right here on cliffcentral.com with all of the stuff that we're doing, the stuff we're doing with Bali, the stuff that we're doing with Bafana, mm-hmm. and most importantly, the things that you can get involved in. So thanks, everybody. And uh, good luck. Power to all of you. I know that there's a little break coming up with uh, the December holidays. So everybody deserves a break, even hardworking people like Bali. Uh, but we will be back in the new year, and we'll be hitting this uh, running and making lots of things happen along the way. So stay, stay with us and we'll keep you filled in as well. Very, very good. Thanks, Bali. Thanks, uh, Bafana. Oh, thanks, Gareth. Good yeah. stuff. Awesome. Nice. Let's, uh, See you in Jan, buddy. Let's go work. Godspeed. Yeah. Very good. All right. Cheers, everybody. And we will Cheers. see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. bright and early. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cliffcentral.com.